part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. You'd open up your Bibles to uh, James chapter 1. We've been there for uh, three weeks now. We're going to continue on this morning in James chapter 1. And uh, it's one of those passages that you're going, okay, is this really what should be here? You know, it seems like he's interjecting something that doesn't flow with everything else that has been going on. But I hope by the time that we're done this morning that you see that there is a very much a linear, logical even, uh, thought pattern that is going on with James as he presents this. And, uh, but have you ever done those tests where, you know, sometimes it's in, in a crowd like this and other times where it's just a, a one-on-one and people are trying to, to get to, to know the first impulse of things that come to your mind? Sometimes it's just, you know, what do you like? You know, where somebody says they give you two words and, and you just kind of shout out what you identify with. For example, cat or dog? Okay, that's what I thought. This is a good church. <laughs> Hot dog or hamburger? Okay, yeah, there's kind of a half and half there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, beach or mountains? Yeah. Uh, what about a yeah? Uh, what about a beach that had a mountain right behind it? You know, that that, that would be like the perfect thing, the the, the perfect thing. <laughs> you know, as we look at those, a lot of those are just kind of our our wants. But but have you ever had that test done, kind of to get a perspective of your own life, and kind of your perception of your own life? For example, young, old. Okay, <laughs> a little bit of a hesitancy there. Uh, tall, short. Okay, I see some smiles. <laughs> Rich, poor. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're going, okay, what's he getting at here this morning? You know, there's a matter of perspective. You know, you, you look at those things and... You know, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're tall or short, whether you're young or tall, it's something, you know, you could be 48 inches tall and, uh, you know, four foot tall, and, and you're tall to some people, you know, that would be shorter than that. You could be age 48, and to some people, you could say, man, they're old. Other people go, man, they're young. And it's all a matter of perspective. And when we go through life, perspective in the Christian life is really sometimes hard to grasp. Sometimes it's, it's like... They, they used to say nailing jello to the wall. You know, it just doesn't stick real good. And, and sometimes we think that as Christians, because we have truth, rock-solid truth, we have the giver of truth, and we have the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us, that, okay, we shouldn't struggle. And in one way, theoretically, I would agree that we should not struggle. We have enough truth around us for us to have firm ground to make declarations on. At the same time, I don't know about you, but I struggled last week. And maybe you struggled in some things. These chains that we just sang about that so easily, you know, have been broken by the, the work of Christ. At the same time, they can, at least for the moment, get a hold of us emotionally. They can get a hold of us mentally. And have you ever, at 2 o'clock in the morning, just been woken up and, and you can't go back to sleep because there's something that's just grabbing your heart and your mind? And when those things happen in our lives, we're going, but I'm a Christian, you know, I'm supposed to in one way be free of all this. And theoretically, again, I would agree that Christ gives total victory. There is nothing on this earth that he cannot give us victory over. It's not a chain that he cannot break. At the same time, because we're fallen people in a fallen world, sometimes those chains do come. And so that's why we need to be back in truth and reminded of the power and the finished work of Christ. Not a work in progression, but the finished work of Christ. 
so that as we are, in one way, a work of progression, justified totally, but now being sanctified through the rest of our life until glorification takes place. Since we're in that moment of sanctification, if you're a Christian here this morning, you've been, if you've put your full trust and faith in the work of Christ, you're justified before a holy God. You, you're going to be able to stand before him, not on your own efforts and your own work, but on what Christ has already done. And yet, before that moment of glorification, we're now in this process of, of sanctification. God's idea, God's measure, God's purpose to make you more and more like the image of Christ every day. And he gives us his truth and, and his word and his spirit to, to enable that. Well, sometimes we lose that perspective. And, and one of those areas that we can lose perspective so quickly on is finances. I mean, when you think about young or old, I mean, if you've ever gone to a nursing home, if you're 48 years old, I mean, you may think you're feeling kind of old at 48. But, you know, you go to a nursing home, you're going to feel like the young guy. We, we went on a cruise a couple of years ago, and it was the first time we ever went on this cruise, but it went to the destination that we wanted to go to. And we wanted to go to Bermuda. We found a, a place, but it was on Holland America. And I don't know if you know a lot about the different cruise lines and everything, but Holland America, uh, well, my, I'll just put it this way. My parents went on that often. And when we went there, and it was a great, food was great, destination was great, but we were the youngest ones by far. And you're going to think I'm kidding on this, but I, I'm not. There was actually a wheelchair accident. Two wheelchairs that collided together on that. We were by far the youngest person. So, you know, it's all a matter of perspective, you know. Young or old, probably not feeling kind of old these days. But, man, you feeling old, go on a cruise on Holland America. And you're going to feel like, man, I'm a young whippersnapper here. Short, tall. Snow White felt pretty tall among the dwarfs. It's all a matter of perspective. I mean, if everybody else is, you know, if you're twice as tall as everybody else, you're tall. Rich, poor. One of those things when we get down to the riches and the poor, you know, uh, anyone in this room is rich compared to people in Haiti. Uh, My daughter came back and she's been in four different continents now sharing the gospel. And and she said that as much as she expected this in Africa when she went to Haiti and came back, she goes, I've never seen poverty like that to such extent on every level. And so this morning, we would be, I, I don't care if you take the most economically challenged person in this room this morning, in comparison to the people in Haiti or the wide majority of people in Haiti, we are extremely rich. We're living like royalty. Now, I think we can all readily agree with those examples that it's a matter of perspective. But how do you keep that right perspective? How do you keep what you're measuring by and what you're kind of guiding your mind and your heart by? And that's what James is doing this morning. Again, it looks like it's out of place, that he would talk about trials, he would talk about wisdom, and now he's talking about finances all of a sudden. He's talking about rich and poor. But really it all flows. Because one of those areas that we can really lose biblical perspective, Christian perspective on really quickly is our finances. And, and that, it hits women and men differently. Women, you, you would worry a lot about that. And mainly, especially if you have children, there, there's this perspective of, you know, you worry not so much about yourself, but what about my kids? Are they going to have provision? And guys, we know that there's, there's this, this innate feeling that when we have marriage and we have children, that you know, part of that DNA is providership. And so there's all kinds of stressors that come in with 
you know, financial stress that are a little bit different from sickness. Because at least in sickness, we're going, okay, you know, there's nothing I can do about this. I can pray that they find a cure for cancer, that they, they can find this. But we feel sometimes helpless about that. We'll just do what the doctor says. But when it comes to finances, we start to, to really kind of engage, okay, what can I do about this? So it's one of those things in life if we're really serious about, really honest about, we probably have as much exposure in finances than about in any other area. And so James does something interesting here. He doesn't begin a kind of tirade against the rich. He doesn't begin to say, okay, here's my opinion about rich people. It's nothing of the sort. It may read like that if you read it in isolation. But really what he's saying is that it's all a matter of perspective, biblical perspective. That when we're going through trials, when we're needing wisdom, that we would be reminded that even in things like finances, that God has the answer. And that that answer is in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's like the old uh, joke, little kid in Sunday school. He didn't know the answer. He just said Jesus because he figured in church Jesus was pretty much going to be the answer 99% of the time. Well, you know, there's a lot of truth in that, guys. If you're looking for an answer for your life, the finished work of Christ, not just Christ, but the finished work, the gospel message, it is the answer to 99.9% of the things out there. Even those things that seem so far from that. Unless you're different, what Jackson EMC this month did not ask me if I was a Christian or not. Part of the bill was not, okay, here, here is the lost people, people that don't know Christ, here you pay this. If you're a Christian, here's your payment. 30% less. Because we just love Jesus too. Did y'all get that in your bill? You know, we look and the world looks at, at financial situations and really doesn't treat the Christian different from the non-Christian. And yet James brings up this very topic of finances. And yet I I would kind of argue that he's not really talking about finances. He's not talking about filling out a budget. He's not talking about did you pay your bills. He's talking about the matter of perspective that we can lose in the face of our own dealing with financial security. It's much more about security than it is about finances. And yet he speaks a language that everybody knows. Let's read that through James 1, 9 through 11, and then we'll go back and kind of dissect it a little bit. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with his scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers fall and its beauty perishes. So also would the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Now, if you read that in total isolation, you just kind of pick those verses out. It's like, man, James really didn't like rich people. Or or he wanted to be reminded that in his poverty, maybe in his need for finances, that there's a day that that rich man's going to get his. And in the 60s, guys, we we had all these songs of this revolution against the man. You know, Bob Dylan and all these others that would write songs against the establishment, against the man. And, and it sort of seems like a little bit that James is doing that. Okay, this is just kind of my revolt against rich people. It's not that. He's really not talking about how many zeros you have at the end of your 401k, or if, if you even have a 401k. What he's saying is, where do you find security in your life? Do you truly have a secure life Or do you have an illusion of a secure life? 
So we open up the Word, we begin to see that it's all a matter of perspective. In the Jerusalem church, most of the believers, we would think that a wide majority of the believers there would have been more, um, if you want to say poor. They would have been these people that did not have a lot of riches. Not that there weren't some people in the Jerusalem church that had more than enough. But by and large, the church would have been filled with people that were pretty much like Jesus during his time, that he didn't really have a lot. I mean, think of Jesus' family. Was Jesus' family rich or poor? Poor. He's a carpenter in a small little town. And if you know anything about Nazareth, it's really a small town. Hey, Jefferson looked like a metropolis city. And so he begins to talk about the rich and the poor. Most of the people in that church would have, for the most part, been more on the poor side than on the rich side. And so he begins to talk about them and other new believers. And he says, look, I want you to look at life from this Christian perspective, from a gospel perspective. How does a Christian view trials when he serves the sovereign God? That's what he kind of dealt with in verses 2 through 4. Not that some people have really bad trials and other people have less bad trials. He says everybody has trials. If it hasn't happened yet, it will happen. He says, where's your perspective? Do you have the perspective? Do you have the truth of knowing that as you go through these various trials, as you fall into these various trials, that you have a sovereign God and that God not only knows what is happening, but he has purpose in what is happening. Again, as we said week one, week two, week three, not that he's always the the source of causation for that, but he certainly knows what's going on. We start to move through there and we begin to see that there's a means, these trials are a means to maturity. Remember what it said in James 1, 3? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. It's that knowing. It's getting the right perspective and then knowing that and grounding yourself in that. And folks, if there's one area of your life, my life, that sometimes we lose perspective because we forget what we know, it's the area of finances. Now, I'm preaching to myself, or would you agree with that? That an unexpected bill, an unexpected financial hardship in our life can, can really put a lot of doubt where we would have faith with a lot of question where we want solid answers. And so James is getting really personal. Not only did he throw us on the deep end of the pool, but now he says, okay, guys, if I haven't caught you yet with various trials, if I haven't caught you yet with your, your know that you need this wisdom that only comes from God and knowing that he's a sovereign God, that he's working his purposes, hey, I, I may get you on this one. Uh, do you have security? Where do you find your security? Is it in your finances or is it in Christ Jesus? See, James knew without a doubt. I don't know that James was a rich man. Comes from a pretty average, if not poorer than average family. Don't know that all of a sudden, you know, that he got rich being one of the pastors there in Jerusalem. But one thing James knew and that he's trying to communicate here, he said, man, I am rich in Christ. You don't have to raise your hand or anything, but do you believe if you're a Christian this morning and you've got that relationship that you're rich in Christ? If you have that, then why doesn't that trump this caution, this, this fear, this worry when we have financial problems? I mean, shouldn't that be the trump card for anything Jesus 
you know, uh, what do I play in my hand? I, I play Jesus because he's the trump card. And his finished work trumps everything that this world could ever throw at me. And yet we see this chain that does come, this doubt, this worry that comes sometimes when our finances are upside down. Sometimes when that $2,000 bill comes in that we did not expect. I mean, it's enough if we knew this payment was coming in. But a couple of weeks ago, we had one that was $1,951. I can tell you the odd sense, but it was $1,951. I was not expecting it. We had not planned for it. And uh, for a moment, I lost not only, you know, not only did I worry a little bit, but lost my joy. This whole consider it all joy, there was no joy that day. And it filtered pretty quickly into Carly and everything else. <laughs> you know, we don't have kids at home anymore, but it would have filtered into them too. You know, and Daddy would have been the, the current of flow going right on down. Did I believe in my heart of hearts? Did I believe in, in the most inner part of my being that Ephesians 1.18 wasn't true anymore? No. If you would have asked me, like, do you believe Ephesians 1.18, the truth of how rich you are in Christ? Because here's what it says. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Don't you like that? Having the eyes of your heart. Man, I need to see something differently than $1,951. I need to see something differently than the bill that's right in front of me. I need to see something. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called to. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Now, how many of you believe that verse? Again, you don't have to raise your hand, but do you believe that verse? That's true of believers. And yet, do you still have that battle? I mean, Paul went on in Ephesians 3.16, he said it this way, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your where? Inner being. He said, man, there's kind of a the challenge going on. It's not just going on in your head and your heart. It's your inner being. This, the innermost part, this most personal part of you, I mean, that's where the challenge, why? Because you're looking at this bill and you're going, I have no clue. And yet I've already declared that you're rich in Jesus Christ. And he said, this battle, this tug of war is going on. So Paul is reminding us there, man, this is who you really are. And it comes back to this whole thing that we've been saying all year. Where is your identity? Is it in Christ Jesus? How easy it is on Sunday morning to hear verses like that and go, yes, I am rich in Christ, fist pumping all. And yet on Tuesday or Wednesday, when that bill comes in the mail, to, to kind of lose that perspective. It's a real challenge, guys. And, and we can be super spiritual, and we can pretend that it really doesn't affect us that much. But most of us would probably agree. If we just had testimony right now, Bobby, I'd really battle with that. And so that's why I think that James is not just kind of fitting in a little side sermon on finances. What he's doing is, guys, let me get to, to really a heart of the matter that... You know, do you really have faith? Do you really consider even this trial? Do you really consider even this? Do you have a security that's found in Christ Jesus? That, I believe, is the faith that he was talking about in verses 5 through 8 when he talks about, I want you to have faith and not waver. Don't be like a wave of the sea going back and forth. He said, do you have faith to know that you are rich in Christ Jesus no matter what? Because the biggest challenge of your life my life as a Christian will be our vision for 2016. Our vision for a church for 2016 is for us to, to know uh, just the, the beauty and the power of Galatians 2.20. Let's, let's revisit that again. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I 
who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now look what it says. And the life, what? I now live where? In the flesh. He said, you know, now the life, not, not this is my spiritual well-being, <laughs> no, not just the, the life I know is going to come one day when God has glorified this old earthly body, but he said, now the life I live right now in the flesh, the, walking around on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, not just during the worship service on Sunday, but, you know, the real life that I have right now in the flesh, what? I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's our vision for 2016 because you get that, I promise you, you get that in life, guys, you got everything else. I promise if you can capture that, if you can understand that, if you can embrace that and meditate upon that, and that is the foundation of the security of your life, then you truly, you begin to live real life. And the chains that we sing about this morning, you know, the, the Christ, we begin to see that Christ does break every chain in our life. Let's go back to James. James 1, 9 through 10. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. Let the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. James gives us two imperatives. Remember, imperatives indicatives. Imperatives is what God is calling you to, commanding you to do. And it's all based upon indicatives, what Christ has already done. So there's two calls here that James puts upon people. The first is, let the lowly boast about his riches in Christ. That word boast is not like you and I where we uh, braggadocious. It's not that kind of boasting. It is more of uh, the, the root word in the Greek means rejoice and to take pride. Not kind of an earthly pride, but just, you know, you, you take confidence there. So what is it that we rejoice in? What is, what is the call here? That the lowly, probably the majority of the people in this Jerusalem church and the other churches that this letter was being circulated to, for the most part, most of the people in early Christianity were, by social standards, more the poor than the rich. And so he said, look, let the lowly rejoice, boast, take pride in what? Who you are now. That God did not look upon your earthly bank account and determine if you were worthy for the kingdom. You might go, well, Bobby, I don't know that God has ever, you know, I don't know that people have ever really thought that. The Jewish people did. They had a really hard time sometimes that they almost always associated riches with God's blessings and and, and sickness and and poverty and different things like that with God's curse upon people's lives. They, They really had a hard time because they had such a focus kind of back on their own works and their own ability. And so, so much of their day and their spiritual standing with God was kind of rising and falling on those different things. The New Testament writers come along and say, you know, this old Jewish mindset that we see, and we knew it wasn't right. We know that God didn't pick Israel because they were like the richest company. We didn't pick these people because they had earthly favor. Now he said they had favor because God picked them. But I want you to think differently now that Christ has come. Now that the gospel is complete, we've seen the picture of Christ coming and that this work is complete. He said, I want you to know now that your whole identity, you are to boast in this. The second imperative that we see there, let the rich boast about his humiliation. What does that mean? He didn't give us a monetary value there. He said, First, I want you to know that there is debate on both sides. You can take uh, 
uh, about half the theologians that, that, uh, that I highly respect, and they think they're talking about uh, that James has gone to a lost rich man. Uh, about half of the other theologians say, no, this is a Christian rich man. It works either way. It fits. There's a lesson to be learned either way. I think that he's talking about a lost man here. And I think that he's saying, okay, how does a rich man boast about his humiliation? If he's a Christian, if we go with that first thought, then he boasts about the fact that while he may have economic means, he does not hesitate to say that his only security is Christ Jesus. Proverbs 18.11. A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. Old Testament. The security of a city built upon how thick, how tall their walls were. Example, Jericho. Small Jericho is actually very small very small city, but had these walls that were wide and high. So they felt pretty proud. Man, we may be a small city, but man, we've got security. And how long did that security last when they came up against God's people? The army didn't even have to... What did the army do? Do you remember? Marched around and blew some horns, and those walls came down. Uh, the writer of uh, Proverbs is, is telling us here, look, a rich man's wealth is in his strong city. He thinks, okay, I've made preparations for retirement. I've done this, I've done that, and, and I'm secure. Even if the stock market does this, even if this happens, even if this person is elected president or that person is elected president, I've got enough to kind of weather the storm. It's a false security. For two reasons. Number one, you can lose. Would you agree that you can lose it all in a matter of a day? Second, and more importantly, not only can you lose it in a matter of a day, could you face judgment in a matter of a day? That's, that's what he's really getting at. As James puts it, we're like a flower in the grass. And the sun hits it. He's kind of going perhaps off of what Isaiah said in the Old Testament, that the, the grass withers and it falls away, it fades away. It's, it's here and it's green, but you come back an hour later and the sun is headed, it's shriveled up, and the wind is blowing it off. Look what it says, James 1.11. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers fail and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. In other words, you can have all the money in the world, but it doesn't protect you. Number one, to give you a long life. And number two, it certainly doesn't protect you as you stand before a holy God and have to give an answer about how you have made peace with the holy God. But day to day, it really gets challenging. As one pastor put it, we have a tendency, we are prone to equal our self-worth with our net worth. I mean, not, not that we have to have riches, but would you agree that we live in a country even that very much equates self-worth with net worth? Man, you put a certain little insignia right there on, on your pocket of, of one of many different kinds, and all of a sudden, man, you must be doing all right. 
He's got that shirt. He's wearing those shoes. There's nothing evil about that shirt, and there's nothing, nothing evil about those shoes. James' point is not, man, anything that even smells like rich is bad. You'll never see that in the Bible. Some of the most godly men were the richest men. Job was the richest man of his time. David, the richest man of his time. Solomon, the richest man of his time. What the Bible is trying to point out is don't let that fool you. Don't you think that because you have this and that there's a sense of earthly security that somehow you have this kind of eternal security? He said, no, that only comes through Christ. And yet even we who would believe, put our faith and trust in Christ, make that mistake sometimes. Let's close this morning with a simple kind of thought that, you know, there's a lot here, and, and yet it's pretty much to the point. How hard is it for you to remember who you really are in the face of financial stress? I mean, he's writing to, James is writing to Christians. He's from the very beginning, brothers. He's not leaving off sisters. It's just that's how they addressed the, the people of that time. Christians, consider it all joy when you fall into various trials. He, he starts making this case that all of our security, of all of our you know, ability to see things from a proper perspective, is not apart from Christ, but in Christ, even when the most difficult challenges of our life are coming our way. Before he begins to kind of change the subject just a little bit, he kind of concludes with this. We're going to see something else in the coming weeks that, that start in verse 12, but, but at least for right now, he says, let, let me just kind of hit you right where we live. So, so how about you? We were talking about the, uh, in our life group the other night about what real wealth is. And of course... I, mean, I got a lot of wise people, a lot of smart people in, in our life group, and so they had the right answer. You know, we're going, you know, in one way, wealth could be this much money in the bank and this kind of security and this, that, and the other. Or you can see wealth as holding that grandbaby or that baby in your arms. And, and we were quick. When, when the pressure's off, we were quick to be able to say, man, the wealthy guy's right there holding the baby. The wealthy one. Is have the, the one that has those simple things like the, the blessings of family and friends. That's the wealthy man. The, the, the one, when you're watching a beautiful sunset and you just see God speak out and, and kind of just yell out of his creativity, that's a wealthy man. So why is it so hard, guys? If we know that, if we know the answer, we know our security is in Christ, why is it that we kind of do this battle? That's what James is saying. Man, just come back and get the right perspective. Know who you are in Christ Jesus. Your spiritual standing is much, much more important than your financial standing. And some of you inwardly right now are going, Amen. Not just because you, you want your spiritual standing to be in Christ, but you're going, Man, you just don't even know. You don't even know. So he's not preaching against riches. He's not preaching against, you know, money. The Bible never does that. It says if you place your trust there, that's the failure. And that's the chains and that's the bondage. Folks, James is not calling us to ignore reality. In fact, it's just the opposite. What is the greatest reality? The temporary or the eternal? 
I mean, the greatest reality is what we, what we see and feel right here are, are the eternal truth of what's going on. Who, who is the real you? The one that is getting older, the hair is falling out, the gut is getting bigger, and the bank account's going down? Or am I rich in Christ Jesus? Again, I, I never want to use guilt as a motivator because it's a terrible motivator. Short term, it works really well, but Monday morning it's gone. So please don't feel guilt from this next statement, but I want you to have this perspective as you go through this week, as you are challenged this week. Who am I? Where is my real identity? That you would be able, if you're a Christian, if you've put your faith and trust in Christ, that you would be able to resonate in and live and breathe, and think, and even feel the beauty of 2 Corinthians 8-9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Why? So that you by his poverty might become rich. Again, my motivation here is not to cause guilt, but it is to make us think. Guys, we are taking that and we are trampling upon that verse and that truth when we allow the worries of finances to overshadow who we are in Christ Jesus. And I don't think we do it purposely. I mean, who would want that kind of pressure upon ourselves? But we allow it to happen. And so the Bible is declaring the New Testament saying, this is who you are now. And claim it. Not prosperity gospel claim it. Because they really messed this up. You're talking about throwing a wrench in the whole thing. Man, because you are a Christian, God wants you just healthy and wealthy and wise. Well, what they fail to understand that in Christ Jesus, I'm complete. All the things that really matter in life, I am already complete in Christ Jesus. And that the motivation of this glorious God to put on flesh and to leave the throne room of heaven and to become poor was all for my sake so that I could become spiritually rich, so that I could spiritually come uh, 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 give answer to a holy God. See, that's what we allowed ourselves to be robbed of when we allow the stressors of finances, when we allow the worry to come in. But we take that right there, this, this beautiful proclamation of the gospel, and, and we add a but to it. I, I know, but $1,951. That's a big but. That's a really big, you know, kind of asterisk there at the end. It did not diminish whatsoever. It did not diminish whatsoever who I was in Christ. Well, Bobby, that would be great if we could just live in that world. That's fairy tale. No. What is the greatest reality? Who you are temporarily or who you have been proclaimed to be eternally through the riches of Christ? That's who we are. Church, that's who Christ has made us. And that's when those chains can follow. Will we still battle it next week and the week after? I think so. Until glorification takes place, the sanctification. Um, 
is kind of a hard process. God continually working on us, not giving up on us, and he's not going to give up on you, but always working with the truth, the eternal truth, with all these temporary kind of false readings in our life. Let's pray together this morning. Father, as we come this morning, we look at your word, Father. I thank you that James um, didn't mind kind of hitting what some would call below the belt, that he gets so real that he begins to, to really evaluate these promises and who we are in Christ by probably perhaps our biggest struggle, and that is with finances. And so, Father, this morning, I thank you that uh, we serve a real God who's written a real word and that this is real truth for our real lives. You have not invited us into fairy tale land. You have not invited us into just kind of cross our fingers and hope everything works out. You've given us substantial truth, real truth, eternal truth to build this thought process upon. And Father, I thank you for those writings of Paul and James and others that just declared who we are now in your son, Christ Jesus. So Father, will you help us to carry that over into Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday? Whether it's sickness, whether it's relational, whether it's mental, or whether it's financial, no matter how these various trials and concerns and troubles come, Father, will you help us to understand that number one, you have called us into a joy even in the midst of that. Why joy? Because we prevail. The work is done. You're a sovereign God. You're a providing God. And Father, this week, will you just help us as, as we go out, as you call us to venture out into different places, different things, different calls upon our life, that we would just trust not the stability of the oceans or the waves, but the stability of the one who made the oceans and the waves. We love you, Father. And and help us now, Father, just reflect uh, on the truth of your word and how it impacts our life as we pray all this in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.